Welcome back to Slow County Public Policy and the Law. This is your host, Stu Jenkins. We're having a very spirited discussion with Eric Vitale, San Luis Obispo County Senior Investigator for the District Attorney's Office. Eric, I mean, the, the tale of woe that you have been telling us about is incredible. And um, the, just the fact that people can falsify notary stamps are there things that are a tip-off? Well, let, let me back up. Who end up being the real victims in this? Is it the property owner? Is it the title company? Is it the broker, real estate broker? Well, Sue, when the dust settles, if a transaction is completed and a property is fraudulently sold and the impersonator's get away with the money. But at that moment, we potentially have three victims. We have the legitimate property owner who's now lost title of their property. We have the buyer who has, unbeknownst to them, purchased a piece of stolen property. And then we have the title company that ultimately is going to have to provide the, the insurance to the buyer. The, the buyer who got the, the, the non-sale. Correct. Yeah. The issue is, is, how far it gets pushed in the civil courts. If the property, the legitimate property owner says, hey, I'm suing everybody for being negligent. Right. The real estate agent for being negligent. And this is what I tell all our real estate agents. And if there's any listening, listen to this because this is coming from the top legal director of one of our national, national title companies. If you're a real estate agent and you sell a property that the seller was not the true property owner, do you have an extra $100,000 to prove that you did nothing wrong? Because that's probably what's going to cost you in, in legal, legal fees. Fee, in sure. legal fees is $100,000 to prove you're right. It's so much easier to vet the seller than it is to show up in court and, and show that you did nothing wrong. Then the title company, they have to come up with the money to make the buyer whole at the very least, don't they? That is, that is correct. And, and, of course, the buyer doesn't get the property they thought they bought. That is correct. And what does the seller have to, or the, the actual property owner have to do to clear title? Normally, what would happen is the title company would reverse everything. It's, that's my understanding. I'm right now investigating an unrelated incident with a clouded title that was done fraudulently, and I don't have a clear answer on that. That's for the attorneys. If we have a suspect that we've arrested and we've prosecuted them, there is a, a criminal section that allows us at the very end to undo everything. However, under these circumstances... Of course, you got to catch them. Got to catch them. I know for certain that the majority of my impersonators are not even operating in the United States. Well, uh, do you have some examples of some of the, uh, you, you, you make folks come and pick up the actual check, uh, if you can, uh, when they're an impersonator. Have you got any examples of, of those kinds of stories? Absolutely. So some of the things that we're doing as an educational and investigative method is we are working with 
the title companies in this county, which are doing a fantastic job also. And uh, we actually make the impersonators believe that they have sold the property. So we create a fictitious buyer. We create everything that would be uh, fictitious for the buyer that the impersonator would expect to see on documents. It's a sting. It's a sting operation. And we're harvesting all types of intelligence. We're gathering bank accounts that the impersonators want money sent to. We're learning, identifying the different notaries that they're using, the notary stamps that they're using, um, IP addresses, which it's not a big secret. I would say the majority of the the IP addresses are coming back through VPNs. And currently right now, that's a, an obstacle for me, but it won't be much longer because we are involving the federal law enforcement agencies and other agencies because this is a national problem. It's probably a global problem, but I only know about it nationally. So the FBI is finally getting involved. Let's just say I had a conversation with the FBI right before coming over here. That's wonderful. Uh, I invited you here after seeing you at a a gathering of the state uh, probate referees. And uh, at that time, you said the FBI was not involved. And and I, I was kind of disappointed. I'm glad that's evolved. The FBI is not formally evolved yet. Mm-hmm. And again, federal law enforcement is very uh, busy right now. Yeah. We just haven't incurred the losses yet to get the FBI's uh, full participation. Wonderful. Wonderful. And that's absolutely well, I'm my glad goal. That, I'm glad they're they're starting to come around. Absolutely. You know, are there are there Stories that you can tell us, uh, you know, that won't interfere with an ongoing investigation? There's a a few stories that we could uh, share. During these bait operations, I work with the real estate agent who was contacted, the title companies who are participating, and then I act as the buyer, and we communicate with them, and we make these the impersonator believe the property is being sold. And when the time comes when escrow closes, they're expected their money. And there's different things that we do to harvest intelligence from them. Um, there are times when they provide us foreign bank accounts that most title companies aren't going to... Uh, they're not going to send money to a foreign yeah, bank account. Especially with yeah. all the, the different real estate fraud that has been going on over the, the past years. That's just a, a red flag. So impersonators, if you're listening to this, the foreign banks... Don't waste your time. Um, and then the local banks, I have access to every local, or excuse me, every bank in the United States. I have contact either to the Bank Security Act investigator or a fraud investigator. And as soon as we get a bank account identified, we immediately notify the bank, hey, this is a fraud account. This is how we know it's a fraud account. And they secure the account. Now, my impersonators have, it appears that they have unlimited access to bank accounts, fraudulently open bank accounts. And I can, I will definitely expand on that because how do they, how do they have that unlimited access? This is what we have learned firsthand. All the work from home, online work from home scams Mm -hmm. and the romance scams. All the bank accounts have been generated. Majority of those bank accounts have been created through those. And some instances, some of the other banks, they've done it online, submitting fictitious documents, and they've slipped through the cracks through the vetting. But most of them are accounts that are opened by unwitting, unwilling 
participants that believe that they're going to work for an online business, a legitimate business. And those so it's a legitimate person who gets duped into starting this bank account for the, uh, the, the fraudsters. Absolutely. And I would even say that they are a victim themselves because they have presented their social security number, a copy of their driver's license, their bank account. They're instructed to open up a new bank account. They themselves are compromised as far as their personal identifying information. And again, folks, anyone listening here, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably nowadays is too good to be true. No one's paying $2,000 a week to work from home, doing minimal work. Okay. Now, where do these, you said a lot of these fraudsters are overseas. Are there specific countries that seem to be the center for this? Are they involved in other kinds of uh, criminal activity besides this real estate fraud? We have tracked through different pieces of information activity coming from Nigeria and Vietnam. Mm -hmm. They will sometimes try to make us believe that they're operating in Europe. Um, We have fairly well vetted that. And you were asking if there's other crimes, if they're perpetrating other crimes. Absolutely. It's it's heart-wrenching. I have one incident where we kept telling the impersonator, hey, the wire's been rejected, the wire's been rejected, and then we come up with the story of why uh, uh, the money's been seized by me. And this is when I introduced myself as investigator Eric Vitae from the district attorney's office. Hey, I've seized your money. There was some discrepancies. Um, hey, we've got it all figured out. We just need you or a someone you designate to come in and pick up the check. Well, lo and behold, I get a call from an 81-year-old man in Michigan who says, hey, I'm flying out tomorrow. Is you, are you going to be there? I'm going to pick up this check. And I start verifying who he is. I say, hey, I need you to send me a copy of your driver's license and um, fill out this, this, this information. And he does. And I contact the Michigan State Police. I said, yeah, that's absolutely him. That's a legitimate driver's license. That's really his image. I sent a Michigan State Police officer out there, and it was a heart-wrenching story. This guy had basically given his life savings. This guy had been a successful businessman for years. had given up his life savings because he was going to open up a new company with his business partner who he's never met in Costa Rica. Well, folks, we're coming up on another hard break. We're going to come back right after this break to finish the story. This is Slow County Public Policy and the Law, only on K News 98.5. 